This is a HeadGum Podcast. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. We watched McGee and Me, The Not-So-Great Escape, and we're going to talk about it today on Good Christian Fun. Army Hammer Cannibal. Consider the source. Hey. Car. Consider the source. I love to beat everything. Any of that noodle thing left? I'm a fan of my mom. Y'all gonna make me praise the Lord. God is great. God is great. Y'all gonna make me praise the Lord. God is great. God is great. Welcome to Good Christian Fun. I'm Kevin. <laughs> I'm Caroline. And we're going to have good Christian fun. That was a recent, re- recently released B-side, um, of course, of the Aww. late, great DMX, who for real was a Christian. He talked about God a lot in his work and outside of his work as well. He, and we love to honor great fallen Christians on our theme song yeah, well, with a parody or just a little snippet of sound, like Lucille Bluth as well. Alec Baldwin, Christian. And Alec Baldwin, Jessica Walter, career. Christian. Rami Malek, Christian. <laughs> and DMX. Everyone in our theme song is a Christian. In the pantheon. Kim Cattrall. Kim Cattrall, man, I got... Did you see they did that on SNL? They did the jazz Kim Cattrall. No, I missed SNL. it. On SNL, yes. Now Ooh. they're just mining YouTube for SNL. Good for them. Good for them. <laughs> Uh, Good Christian Fun is the podcast where we talk about Christian pop culture, Christian movies, music, and entertainment. The stuff that puts Caroline right to sleep. <laughs> it makes her go, yan, yan, yan. Uh, but we're not here to make fun of you or to make you go to church. We're just here to have some fun. It's okay. It's, good. it's a yes. safe time. We're- just relax. Unclench your jaw. Put your shoulders down. Unclench Release your little your anus. Holes. Yes. Yes. Just take a stretch. Start wiggling Just your thighs around. Just imagine yourself floating in a deep water, swimming in the ocean with McGee or something. Whip your hair yeah, back good. and forth. It's Let dislocate out. Let down your, your shoulder. Pop your Except knees Christ. into socket. Lock Go your back knees to church. and then pass out. Join a Bible study. Go uh, to Bible study. Uh, today we're talking about McGee and me. Caroline, this is. <laughs> The third episode we've spent. McGee and three. McGee and three. This is the maybe the uh, <laughs> conclusion of a trilogy, if you will. Ouch. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe McGee I comes back. That. Maybe <laughs> maybe he I gets have a good time with McGee. Yeah, yeah. I mean he is uh he's a scamp. We gotta get into again trying to figure out what the heck he actually is. Again. Mm-hmm. Is he a demon? <laughs> is he a manifestation of mental illness? Is he of this mm. world? Is he not of this world? What? Is he the embodiment of Nick's soul? Mm. See, I like this idea, like a kind of identity John Cusack situation. That's beautiful to me. Yeah. Uh, hey, was that a movie reference I just made? Because <laughs> I think we got a guest that can talk about 
movies and perhaps <laughs> writing and directing them. Folks, you may know him from his movie, Happily, which you can get on video on demand right now. Give it the hell up for Ben David, David Ravinsky! Yeah. It's funny... I definitely play that song whenever I enter a room, so yeah? I'm really happy. Whoa. This is like such a nice coincidence. Wow. Man, we don't have the synchronicity. This is amazing. Sometimes, though, I change it up and do a little Jeff Moore in the distance, maybe some third day. But... Jeff Moore and the distance. Of course, the, uh, man, the, what was their big song? What was their big song that um, was the huge hit? It's like a, oh, uh. Man, I'm having a brain fart. It was the is first concert run? I ever went to. Oh, it, it, it might run. be. We've listened to this before, like, years wow. ago. Unfortunately, this is on a uh, Worst Christian Song of All Time episode, I believe. It's a real bummer that I know most of the lyrics to that song. And <laughs> I can't tell you 90% of my teachers growing up or, like, some really important memories, but... There's entire Jeff Moore in the Distance songs that I have memorized somewhere in like the dungeons of my brain. Oh, sure. We should do Jeff Moore in the Distance University, where they put all the important things you're supposed to remember to a perfect catchy song with a sports metaphor. Mm. So you'll never forget yeah. the year that, you know, Rome fell or whatever you needed to know. <laughs> yeah, whatever. That bullshit, <laughs> like when Rome fell. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, like an Animaniac situation, but instead of putting them to public domain music, it's to Jeff Moore in the distance. So No, you got to pay. Yeah, it's not for free. Uh, I think you need something. A li- you got to go like a little catchier. I think you got to go with like Five Iron Frenzy if you're oh, really yes. going to do sure. that. Because okay. it needs to get you hyped about something you're not excited about. Yeah, Caroline, how do you define ska music and specifically Five Iron Frenzy again? Did you say it's like the clown of musical genres? I said it's the class clown of The music. class clown, okay, excuse me. <laughs> is how it feels to yeah, me. Yeah, I get that, I understand. Um, you like it, you know, but it's a little annoying and it is definitely like silly. Right. I mean, look, finding out that Supertone Strike Back was really just doing a riff on Metallica was heartbreaking because yeah. it felt like Wait, what? they really figured something out. What are you telling me right now? I'm telling you that like there's a little bit of a homage to Metallica in that song. Oh my god! And uh, it's really I gave them a little bit more credit <laughs> no, than they deserved when I was young. <laughs> hey, well, you know what? Every like eight years or so, they reunite in Orange County. I'm sure they've played some shows in the last year or so that you can go check out. Just <laughs> drive on down. By the way, no one calls okay. it the OC, right? We do just call it Orange County. No one actually calls it the OC. Well, do they call it the OC because no one ever shoots in the OC? Uh, like, that's the real thing. It's like, if you actually made a show that took place in Orange County, mm-hmm. it would be a hellmouth, scary thing. But instead, <laughs> it, like, there's a certain amount of distance you can drive away from L.A. before uh, you end up having to pay extra. And Orange County is too far. So it's always filmed in some nicer city. That's pretending to be Orange County. Yeah, that's right. That the, is great. You know, there's a little inside baseball talk, but that is what the TMZ stands for. That is the 30-mile zone that you can film in without having to pay a little extra. Is that true? That is true, yes. 
Well, TMZ I don't know anything about filmmaking. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, While learning about music, film, culture, education. Listen, I'm learning OC Supertones is actually Metallica. Ben David's learning TMZ is 30 Miles Zone. Caroline. And I'll be, very soon be dropping some sort of, you know, knowledge bomb on Uto. So just, just wait for that one. It's coming. <laughs> I don't know if I'm excited about it, but I'm going <laughs> to deal with it. <laughs> you'll, you'll know what to do. Caroline's like, did you know the police are bad sometimes? <laughs> or did you all know the time? that? Lizzie McGuire did McGee first (laughs) (laughs) or later whoa yeah McGee and me is copaganda and we all know that yeah and that's really what I'm here to talk about today it's an allegory what is the copaganda in McGee I mean besides his parents Look, the whole show is about how authority is great, and I'm not prepared enough to make this joke work, so give me a minute. I'm going to circle okay. back I in a little bit. I thought there was like a, a pro-police episode of McGee. We'll circle back. Well within the realm of possibility. <laughs> Come on, Nick. We live in a police state, and it's great. <laughs> Let's be one of the boys in blue, Nick. It'll be awesome. Well, yeah. When McGee goes to police academy because he's a big fan of the movies, but when he gets there, he realizes he has to kill people and has like a crisis about it. <laughs> and then they connected to some verse in like Romans three. Or no, it'll something. be Deuteronomy, and it'll be like kill your enemies and all aliens. Yeah, it'll be like old Hebrew law where it's like killing is oh, it's like actually when they <laughs> when they selectively decide that the Old Testament matters. Yes, <laughs> right. I Very pro kill. Well, Very you know, I mean, shoes. the Republican Party loves the Old Testament a lot of times. They really care about Israel right now for a lot of different complicated <laughs> yeah. reasons. Well, before we get to McGee. Uh, Ben David, we would love to hear about your story, the the Ben David and me story, and the me in that sentence is God. So, how did you grow up? <laughs> uh, well, how did your religion work itself out? Where'd you grow up geographically? All that stuff. Well, when I was young, I was an aspiring artist, and one day I drew this guy named McGee, and he came to life. Oh my God! Oh wait, uh... that was you. Yeah, it's actually based on me. That's like the weirdest (laughs) thing about it. No one's put it on my Wikipedia page yet because I don't have one. But when I do Uh have a Wikipedia page, like the really cool trivia section should be that McGee and me is based on my life. And Um, so you get a cut of the royalties every time we stream on YouTube, right? Yeah, actually, that's exactly how it works. YouTube just sends me <laughs> YouTube big... famously good for sending royalties yeah, to artists. Yeah, they, they airmail me some Bitcoin, which I don't know what is. I just right. know it's bad for the environment. <laughs> um, so I grew up super Southern Baptist um, where I went to church like three days a week. Um, and then I wasn't allowed to watch or listen to any secular music. So most of my... Like my pop culture growing up was this really weird mix of R-rated movies I recorded off a TV because they were edited and a lot of Christian music. Okay. So it was supplemented by, um, you know, Adventures and Odyssey that I would listen to all the time. And McGee and Me was like the big thing because it was very, I'm not going to get too far into that, but it's an example of something that is designed to be like a popular thing used to make you feel really guilty about everything so like like i was a believer for a very long time i took it very seriously until i don't know i was like 17 or 18. Mm-hmm. Were you either um, like a youth group leader or anything like that yeah but i went to because i moved a few times i had because i moved when i was 16 to iowa so before that i was like heavily involved in youth group um mm-hmm. 
And weirdly, I watched my favorite movie of all time with like just me and my youth group leader watching Big Trouble in Little China, which still doesn't really make any sense. Hmm. But like, we guys like, hey, we could watch a movie sometime. And, and it wasn't weird or didn't seem weird. But the point was, I picked that movie, which I'd never seen. And I remember he hated it. And I'm like, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. You would you would pick that movie wow. having not seen it. And you were like, let's try this with the youth group first. Yeah, well, this is that's that's me. I'm like, I was I, I took risks. Um, yeah, and, kind uh, of a daredevil, it sounds like. Yeah, it's really the, the daredevil's based on me, too. Okay. I don't wow. know if you saw that. Daredevil. Like, well, that is McGinney. one of the best parts about like being a kid that likes movies or is figuring it out. Like you don't know yet, like, oh, what's good or like what's the prestige? Unless you're Kevin and I guess you looked it up and like made a list. But um, <laughs> shut up. But, like you're it's a little more like discovery and you watch some weirder stuff too, which is kind of yeah. fun. I've seen that movie. It's a it's a bizarre one, but it's fun. It's my favorite movie of all time. And wow. if you by bizarre you mean amazing, then yeah. So yeah, I, I uh <laughs> yeah, so I, I was very um Southern Baptist and I moved to Iowa and within um I think a few hours on my first day, someone threatened to throw me in an oven and I, and it just felt like such a specific um, thing to say. Yeah. Then people started calling me like Jew boy and all this stuff. And I didn't know, I knew so little about Judaism that I didn't know that there was like a way to look Jewish or that there was like physical, like none of this stuff. I like, I'd never even heard of anti-Semitism outside of Schindler's list growing up in Arizona. And like, so I get to Iowa and it's just so much. Suddenly everyone is just being really anti-Semitic towards me. And I'm, and I have like a, so I didn't even know. I remember having to go home. I'm like, why are people calling me Jew boy to my parents? Ooh. But it's like, my name is Ben David. I'm a neurotic writer. I have, you know, this hair and stuff. And uh, I guess it was something to do. So it was funny going and being treated as if I wasn't um, like the mainstay. Like we were still going to like the Baptist church there and stuff. And it was just like a weird culture shock. Um but I stopped going to church. Like when I went to college, I went to church like maybe the first two Sundays and then just stopped. Um, and then like when my parents would come to visit on my birthday, they'd like come on a Sunday and say, hey, let's go to church and we'll have food after. But I haven't been inside a church now outside of a funeral in, or, or a wedding in like 18 years maybe mm, or yeah. a little less um which is a a big turning point from like as a kid going every sunday morning sunday night monday night for visitation wednesday night for youth group for you know years it fell off pretty quick because once you start to get really opinionated when you th- you're like 20 ish and you think you're an adult, which you're not. No one's really an adult till they're like 27. Like everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. But at the time when yeah, you're 20, Yeah, so to the like, babies listening to this under the age of 27, get your mommy you and daddy it. in the room you and ask shit. them if you have permission to listen to the Good Christian Fun podcast. <laughs> yeah, ask, you may not. Ask, well, and ask yourself, is this godly to listen yeah. to? Is, is this edifying? Is this Christ honoring? Is this going to be garbage in, garbage out? But yes. Yeah, yeah. 25, 26 are definitely like a young adult. Um, but you think you're the smartest person alive. So it's like, as soon as I was like, you know, I don't know if I believe in this. I thought I was clearly right because I thought everything I thought was right. (laughs) But, um, I have like a lot of traumatic memories of being 
a Christian growing up because so much of it was centralized on fear and guilt, mostly about like the rapture for a long Mm -hmm. time. I just had nightmares about everyone being raptured except me. Like I had that for like as long as I could remember. And I would just, that stuff would like keep me up at night all the time. Mm -hmm. And all these things that are sort of designed to make you behave just made me like freak out. Like I'm the kind of person who if a cop's behind me, I think I'm gonna get pulled over and arrested, but like I'm not speeding and everything's up to date and I have insurance, but I suddenly I'm like, oh, I did something wrong. Like I've always had that sort of, oh, I'm probably in trouble. So when you combine that kind of feeling with, you know, people would like make you close your eyes at the end of every service and say, now imagine you open up your eyes and everyone around you is gone and you've been rejected from the kingdom of heaven. And I'd be like, ah, yeah. And they made it always seem like, and it is just as possible that could happen to you. The person who's been at church all the time, learning all the right things as it is to the random sinner, you know, on the street or whatever. And I don't know if this is comforting to hear or not, but that, that specific anxiety around the rapture is super common. And like so many kids and people from our generation, especially who were like steeped in a lot of rapture, rapture porn, like had that same anxiety. I had big anxiety around demons because they were very literal and real to me. And like in my bedroom every night I thought, and that kind of thing. And it's, it is traumatic and it sticks with you. And you you also don't, have the vocabulary understanding at the time to understand like, oh, this is fear manipulation Mm -hmm. or this is not applying to me or I'm actually a good person. So I'm going to be okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the funnier thing too, about the demon thing is I remember seeing ET, um, which my parents told me they said peanuts breath. So I didn't think that I had heard that word when he calls him penis breath, but, um, (laughs) There's a thing in the movie where like the kids all play Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, (laughs) And I really wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons, but man alive did Christians think that Dungeons and Dragons was just like a gateway to worshiping the devil. Oh yeah. Um, There's even like an adventure episode about, yeah, we listened to that one. I I mean, I haven't heard it since it came out, but yeah, it really (laughs) made me feel like, oh, if I do the wrong thing, I'm going to get like sucked through a portal into hell or something. Yeah. Yes. And then as an adult, you realize that stuff's just fun. Uh, But now like I, I was, I feel resentful of not getting to play that when I had more focus as a kid, because it seemed like, the perfect thing for, you know, a kid with an active imagination. Yeah. Totally. No, D&D was probably so much different before these freaking phones in our pockets all the time. <laughs> I know. And it's the thing we say, so like the thing that felt so sinister that, yes, you were literally going to be swallowed by hell. It's just dork improv. It's just fun dork improv with your friends and the, you, your little dungeon master and everyone yes ands each other. That's all. It yeah, was. it's, it's like so the most harmless thing. Yes. Caught up in like the satanic panic era. Like why why Dungeons and Dragons? What happened there? Who knows? It's funny. Everyone then, I just think everyone wanted something to be upset about. It always feels there is some sort of element that it's still hard for me to understand of Christians wanting to feel persecuted or feel like media is designed against them when culturally if anyone is pandered to it is you know christians so it's kind of a fascinating thing as long as i can remember it always feels like oh the media is after us or the entertainment is after us or like these things are ungodly and blasphemous and it's like well they're not real so that's the starting point and like has anyone actually seen the devil like 
Have you ever met anybody who oh, like I, I know saw one man him? who has and uh he's got a new Nike shoe based on his encounter with him. <laughs> <laughs> hey man. Oh, I thought you were going to say Carman. Oh uh, yes, and Carman. <laughs> he's also met the yeah, devil. okay, I know two men who have met the devil. You know two men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's weird. It, and like hence that's why we have McGee and me like all this alternative, you know, entertainment. Mm-hmm. Because the movies that we were so scared of are so polluting and everything. I mean, we'll talk about it soon. But um, it it is sad. You'd be like, oh, I just could have enjoyed Dungeons and Dragons as a kid or like Harry Potter and things like that. And it would have been fine. The yeah. funny thing is because um, I wanted to make movies since I was like 10 years old. But before that, I was always like the lead in the play at church. And I hosted a national uh radio show for flr radio like family life radio until my voice changed oh okay so for like i don't know like three years uh there'd be this programming block that would include like adventures and odyssey and other stuff on saturdays and there'd be two kid hosts and we were playing characters it was like me and a girl and it'd be like now we're going down the slide to imagination land. And on our first stop is adventures and odyssey or something. And this is, and I, I and I, and so I did all that. And then I stopped, once my voice changed, I stopped getting, I I stopped getting the parts in the play. And then they fired me from the show because you're supposed to sound like a kid. Um, And then I only acted like once since then. And it's funny because that experience of doing that was like the first sort of, kernel of like me wanting to make stuff or be a creative uh was doing that stupid show for family life radio that was like it was in like every major city but you don't do it under your name or anything it's like you're like mike or something it's like this suspension of disbelief where you just stay in character and had like an actual script and everything I like that. Uh, well, when you wrote your own movie, did you finally get to cast yourself again as a boy radio <laughs> host? Can you imagine? Because that's well, why you make your own stuff. You can control that. You know? People people keep encouraging me. They're like, oh, you should do a little part in this. And I was supposed to have a part in uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? But they couldn't get me a worker's visa or something. Um and I keep realizing, like, I should not. And anyone who's encouraging me just has bad judgment because it's like, <laughs> like, I know if I, I've been in like a couple movies where like friends movies where I'm just sort of like a very prominent extra. And even those like give me anxiety. So I don't need to like ruin the experience of enjoying my movie. Um, yeah, I mean, because that. it can go one or two ways. One is like, oh, look, it's Alfred Hitchcock. That's funny. He's in that shot. And then the second way is, Okay, and the security guard is M. Night Shyamalan, and we're going to spend 20 <laughs> minutes talking to this guy now. We're just like, all right. I got to do the oh. M. Night Lady in the Water thing where he cast, <laughs> he wrote a character who was the most important culture writer whose work was literally going to change the world and then yes. cast himself. Yes. No. The whole premise <laughs> is that a narf travels to our world. Mm-hmm. Um, through a swimming pool to tell M. Night to keep making his stuff and not listen to any self-doubt because he is the most brilliant writer alive. Oh, and sweetie. If I if I remember that correctly, Bob Balaban plays a film critic who is uh, torn to pieces by a wolf uh, in that movie as well. And there's a bunch of people who get high smoking cigarettes. And the funniest <laughs> thing about that movie, movie is rocks, that actually. it is one of the most beautiful movies ever it's uh shot by christopher doyle who does mm-hmm. like warren car wise movies and 
the last, like the last few shots of it are like some of the most stunning things I've ever seen, but it's like this really beautiful fairy tale approach to a movie about a narf that comes to tell M night he's the best writer of all time. Mm -hmm. So there's like a real disconnect between the premise (laughs) and the execution. Uh, Hey, M night, if you listen to this, I think you're great. And I'm sorry uh, for besmirching anything. M night. He was a listener. He stopped listening a long time ago because he, he didn't agree with our takes on third day. He was like, I think Magpal's (laughs) voice is pretty good actually. (laughs) Yeah. He kept getting mad because you guys said they were better than Hootie and the blowfish. Uh, yes, we yeah we came out hard on that. We actually came out pretty swinging uh, as far as that one goes. So the real reason to do this podcast is like I love niche references, but I have a whole vocabulary of them that are useless. Like you know, I have some really inside jokes about pop culture and everything I make, but I can't do like an audio adrenaline joke. Like that'll make one person laugh maybe on the inside but if you change just one person's life <laughs> that's all that matters at the end of the day you know if you could have a whole movie of these references and no one would know the references they'd just be like oh you made up all this fake pop culture <laughs> you're, like, <laughs> you're like no 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 even though you Good think matter. you know everything because you have google and everyone on tiktok has discovered everything we loved as kids there is mm-hmm. a subset of pop culture that is still niche a little bit hidden yeah <laughs> one la- for sure. uh, this is the last niche that kevin and i have made i think we've unniched it a little bit we unniched it a little <laughs> bit unfortunately yes uh, i do think that seems to be your mission is to unniche things mm-hmm. yeah to spread the gospel it's just a magical to un- power unniche. unniche to uh you know just a handful of listeners really <laughs> unniche but isn't, isn't my heart <laughs> say you niche me again i'm sorry go ahead ben it's like unniche. when Stephen curtis chapman made rap unniched mm-hmm. when he collaborated with dc talk got to like, be true he's the reason got to be true. people started to hear rap that's right yeah he was kind of yes. you know and in that way Stephen curtis chapman in introducing hip-hop to a whole different audience he was the Hamilton or the sort of Lin-Manuel Miranda of his time by giving hip hop and and making it accessible to people who would not have given it a passing thought before. And so we do celebrate him for that way. So there's so much, by the way, in Happily that did indirectly, I don't know if it's um, intended at all, but it felt indirectly influenced by maybe some experiences in evangelical culture. Even the idea of a couple that seems aspirational, that's annoying to everybody, or the idea of conversations that are not had explicitly, that remain subtextual until they become textual before it's too late. Does it feel like there was any sort of influence that faith or your faith upbringing had on that movie, even in an indirect way? Well, yeah. I mean, I think that everything that I make is a sum total of my experiences and my influences. So there's definitely um, some residual stuff there. It's like, in a, in a way, it does reflect anxiety that I had in friend groups at church when I was a teenager. Um, I remember just, there's a special level of rejection being like not the cool kid in a youth group as a opposed to just like regular else. Cause it's there. It's like, well, we all have this like common connection, but then after church, when some kids go to get pizza and then people don't invite you, that somehow hurts more than like not being invited to something at school because at church, it's sort of like, well, we're all in this 
together. We're like these weirdos who believe in this stuff. So yeah. And you're supposed to be nice. Yeah. I remember like, I, I just, yeah, I remember I have a lot of sort of traumatic, low key traumatic things of being like the weird guy at church where like, I wasn't at, like, I'd be in, you know, Sunday school and everyone would be talking about like the NFL and, uh, I just want to talk about like the cart, like the X-Men and back then no one knew what any of those things were. Mm -hmm. So I was like the nerd in the youth group, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> which is just, it's not fun, you know, but I, there's a lot of the movie that is kind of a manifestation of that paranoia you have um, where you're like, am I part of this group because they want me there or am I part of this group from happenstance for like, because of shared history or because oh. of this or that. And that stuff never goes away. But, you know, a lot of the movies basically like just trying to exercise those demons, but through the prism of being an adult, because adult friend groups are way more complicated. You know, when you're a kid, you don't like become friends with someone because like your kids go to the same school or because we're inheriting someone that's like your partner's friend, but not your friend. Mm -hmm. So all those dynamics are still born out of me real thinking that nobody liked me in the youth group. <laughs> so, wow. Man, I it, remember it's, it's, I remember yeah. some of those vibes back in the day and sometimes there would be a few lone usually it was a kind young woman who would like come and sit next to me and try to like start up a conversation. Like one of the older like seniors or juniors in high school and I was either like a freshman or an 8th grade at the time and they would they would try to get me a little more included. And it usually worked, mm. you know. Yeah. Well, I, I was, just turned uh, tail and left youth group. <laughs> I was like, I, I have no friends. I can't do this. Goodbye. Oh, <laughs> Plus, I go to Christian school, which is like one long, nonstop youth group all the time. Yeah, so that's I'm fair. good. It, this is a really clumsy thing to say, but the weird thing I realized in hindsight is the few friends that I did make um, were the majority of them were like clearly closeted kids who didn't know they were closeted. I just like thought that, you know, they were quirky, like in the way that I am, but uh -huh. like in the way that like, yeah, in hindsight, you're like, oh, well, several of my friends in, in youth group who also felt like they are the outcast. I think there was this weird vibe that like people were off put by their not. Um, it's sort of like anyone who didn't have a very traditional type of behavior or interests had this sort of fringe area of youth group where people were like, I don't know about those guys. Like there's something weird about them, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and then in hindsight, you realize that some of it was for me, I, I'm realizing there was a lot of homophobia, I think in this youth group that I was in. So it was like, I'd bond with the people who other people like weren't becoming friends with. And I didn't know why they weren't, you know, but then, but then I look back at it and I'm like, Oh, I think there was an element of that as well. Does that make any yeah. sense? That totally makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I think so. And even the in-group people were probably also performing those interests, you know, on some level as well. Mm -hmm. Like oh, no one yeah. ever feels very cool. <laughs> so yeah. It's really, it, it's fascinating how much of like that it's performative or it's something like code switching or something where like people just find out the interests you're supposed to have. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, as long as they do those and sort of blend in, then you can be cool. Um, but again, no one's situation is the same. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of all over the place here. No, we're with you. 
Yeah, I think that makes sense, though. And also, too, I think we can all take, hopefully, a little bit of comfort in the fact that it doesn't seem like any of the three of us peaked in high school, and we don't want to be the kind hey, of people if that... the three coolest people on this Zoom call <laughs> okay. also had a hard time on youth group, you know? It's like, y'all, you're going to be okay, you know? Oh, man. But it is funny. It's a thing you can't know unless you were in church, is that youth group can be just like high school, and youth group is supposed to be your, like, escape from the kind of pressure of high school it's supposed to make you feel like oh yeah well this is a place where you're welcome and you can make friends and we can like praise the lord yeah but it was just as stressful for me like um yeah it's all the same thing it's like oh did i get invited to that guy's party or like what's going on with this or it's like wait who else is going to the dc talk concert oh i'm going with my parents i guess and like <laughs> yeah <you know. laughs> yeah it's hard yeah. It's so hard. And it's confusing because it's like, and, and some kids, I don't know about you, also then in response to that, Jesus becomes like your best friend because, you know, that Jesus has talked to you as your companion, your as the person that McGee, will be there for you. if you, you will. You're McGee, if you will. <laughs> yeah. And like that spiritual thing that will always accept you. And especially if you're feeling alienated, like in the social groups that are supposed to accept you because you all love Jesus or whatever. Yeah. Like a lot of us can go into like more, like more time with God then. That's good. <laughs> I do connect with what you're saying though, Ben David, about the idea of wait, this was supposed to be a sort of refuge from what I understood to be the nonsense of high school. This is where everyone is supposed to be a little chill. We already have the one thing in common so we can all literally talk to each other about a particular thing. And then to find that there was there were sub-cliques and then subcultures within that subculture, it was, I remember, a sort of disillusioning and, and disappointing experience. The thing in our youth group was like, Oh man, it feels like youth pastors playing favorites and he like he likes these particular guys and these particular girls. He doesn't seem to hang out with or want to spend time with any anyone else or like people felt neglected in that. So then that became a weird thing of Oh no, I didn't get to spend time with youth pastor, yeah. which like looking back is just so <laughs> wild sounding. Yeah, the concept yeah. of that is like it is such an easy position to abuse and, and that's like one of the things where, you know, you don't realize until you're an adult or maybe you realize when you're younger, how much someone can just seem like a nice person, but they just know that they need to present themselves as a nice person so that you don't worry about them. <laughs> and there's people in hindsight, I look back on who I thought were like, Oh, they were so nice. And I think about it, I'm like, Oh, there was something weird going on there oh, and yeah. I'm not privy to it, but it is a position that you could easily abuse if you're mm -hmm. not a good person, because like, there's definitely a value even as a secular person now um, to having stuff like that, but there's also a way for it to go bad. Um, so mm -hmm. it's, I'm, I'm sort of cynical about it. Yeah. And all the adults that were like pals with, teens and you're like oh man if only i was one of those teens and then in retrospect you're like not only are you unemployable in every other industry and that's why you're being put in charge of me <laughs> you're know. also like you, you wonder manipulative insane you wonder what like the actual good version of that is where it's like this yeah. person is should be here they're not strange they seem to be yeah. balanced i actually nate did a um a youth retreat one time with his friend from 
college, I think, or Mm -hmm. high school. And she was a youth group leader. And watching her, I was like, oh, this is how it's done. Like, she was sincere, but she was like ridiculous. And she made sure everyone got like their time. And no one was like showboating too much. And she also just seemed cool and normal and not like using fear tactics or anything. And I was like, oh, this is the best youth pastor I've ever seen. I think the, the main appeal to the good version of it is just being like a great party host. Like yes. with, with like no malice or intention, just mm-hmm. like you're trying to make sure everyone's comfortable having a good time. Like yeah, you see yeah, a few people yeah. aren't talking. You're like, Hey, have you guys met? Just doing that every week. Exactly. And then every once in a while, say some Bible verses in there. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. I am a great party host. So I think we know where this conversation is leading. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing I found out later on was that most pastors are put in charge as of the youth group as like a training ground to become a pastor. Yeah. So for a lot of youth group leaders, I mean, there's there's many who are committed and love kids or whatever, but a lot of them too were also just felt like they were in a holding pen so they could get to the real stage, you know, and like they probably treated their group like that in some yeah. way as well. Well, that, that, ver- that version of it makes sense to me because it's like, but if your end goal is just to stay one, I don't know how that really works, but oh yeah. Well. I don't know. It's also like great sports coaches, the same people. I'm like, ooh, real hit or miss, you know. Great sports coaches. <laughs> Who you are as a person. Oh, yeah. I know. I saw a tweet <laughs> that was like this or you're passionate about it. <laughs> I saw a tweet the other day that was like, I can't explain this, but ACAB includes PE teachers. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh I mean, when we're talking about your I wasn't I didn't have youth group leaders, but I had like volleyball coaches. Yeah. And looking back, every single one of them was similar. like mentally not well in like very obviously now Caroline we gotta do that Christian volleyball movie where it's Helen Hunt plays the volleyball coach yeah Yeah. she's a Christian isn't Caroline like one of the main characters too she is yes but it should be Spike the Devil and they're playing against possessed kids (laughs) what yeah I mean that would be (laughs) awesome that is like Space Jam that would be directed by Robert Space Jam the opposing team has I guess the monsters yeah they are demons they're way too powerful yeah and uh, just to put a cap on that, uh, big ups to Phoebe Bridgers, who tweeted the other day, just recovered a memory of the time I escaped youth group to go to California Pizza Kitchen. Who amongst us could not uh, relate? Wait, the bo- volleyball movie is a Christian school going against Hogwarts. Because as we all know, people who practice magic are d- demons. Yes. Basically. Yeah, it's the same. They're sorcerers and they're, and they're demons and devils. The problem is, Ben David... J.K. Rowling is now a hero of the Christian right. So you might find uh, some strange oh. bedfellows there, unfortunately. I would love to figure out a way to separate her existence from that work because it is a <laughs> bummer. Yeah. A boon. I don't know what's going on in the UK. No offense, but they seem to have a lot of strong opinions about things that don't really deal with their day-to-day life. <laughs> it's just... It's, they're surrounded by too much water. <laughs> it's the water. Caroline's the water. convinced it it's the them. water. That's why I saw coastal elites are nuts, too. <laughs> um, Whoa. Okay. It's all about the coast, literally. It's all about the water. It's some sort of coast. Ben, David, you would describe yourself as an agnostic now? You would. You were saying? You know, I don't... It's weird. I don't really believe in anything, but I'm also like, I don't know, maybe there's something going on. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, 
I'm a big fan of science without understanding any of it, which is like a real problem. Um, <laughs> but I understand enough to like be mad about things. Uh, <laughs> but when it comes to this, it's like, I don't know. I had, there's too many things that happened that kind of broke for me. And the, the real brain teaser that I don't want to get into, but I'm going to get into anyway, that really was the hard part was the, the separation between the concept of free will and then that everything is planned or that God has a reason. That is what really broke me from being like a believer to not was I couldn't reconcile the idea that if I'm not, if things have a plan, then why are we punished for our actions? It's like, why did God create Adam and Eve if he knew that they were going to sin? And you can, and you can say, I've heard a lot of arguments that are both intellectual and also just faith-based about that. But for me, it's too much to deal with because if God is the reason why I got to make a movie, God's also the reason that, you know, someone I love dies. You know, mm-hmm. if it, it, he's not like he's just responsible for the good things, it's just a really tough thing for me to reconcile is that, and, you know, and it's, I think that people should can believe in whatever they believe in as long as they're not hurting people or creating some sort of manipulation, um, you know, that can be, you know, cause it's the same as like cult tactics or whatever. But <laughs> for yeah. me, that was like the real thing that was really hard and kind of broke the whole um, thing for me. That's so yeah. fair. And it's, and it's interesting too, because the sort of dilemma you're positing is as intellectual as it is emotional. Like, it's not like, could God lift a rock? And then you can just conjecture about it. But it's also, it has to do with the things that we care about, that we love the most, that we fear the most and dread the most. And I remember getting tripped up about that in an insane way when I was like 12 or 13. I think I talked about that a little bit before with you, Caroline, where it's like, I was going to this Christian private school. They had to call in another pastor just to do a Q&A with us because I wouldn't stop asking the teachers oh, about yeah, like, right. well, free will, God's will, blah, 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 you know, and, and yeah. not being able to reconcile. <laughs> yeah, things. it's like, are you going to teach me this complicated concept and then not let me have complicated questions yeah, about let it? Yeah, you know? let me be able to... Because we really do need to go to the nth degree of this because it's it's extremely important. You yeah, know? <laughs> Like, I know. how far does this go? Yeah, and I... And I think it plays early into what uh, Ben David was saying about a certain type of like authoritarian understanding of Christianity and God, which is that just be very, very scared that you're behaving wrong, but also know that I'll forgive you no matter what. You know, it's kind of this like hot and cold, like, does it matter what I do? No, but yes, it does. But only when God lets you know, you know, that kind of thing where it's like, you're not you know it's very scary and the stakes are really high, but you don't really understand it. And like that's authoritarian, abusive relationships, you know? Yeah, and I'm more than double the age I was when I first started being curious about that stuff and I still haven't found anything kind of even close to satisfying as far as that stuff goes, as far as like- The good stuff about being religious growing up Mm -hmm. was really helpful, Um, you know? It, just by virtue of feeling less alone, feeling like you can put a bow on the universe and kind of understand things in a way to make things less scary. But when it's counterbalanced by that fear-based guilt thing about behavior, it takes away any of the good because 
it just it feels very and this is probably not a term people are supposed to say anymore but if there's another word for schizo um i would use it which is just the concept that so much of it is contradictory yeah it's like paradoxical basically but that and, and also there was a lot of hypocrisy where like there were people who i really believed in and I really thought they were like walking the path, which made me feel good about doing it. Who on multiple occasions you'd find out like had tons of skeletons in their closet. And it which is also a byproduct of treating everyone like perfection is an option. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I remember being in a van uh, with youth group coming back from some trip and we started singing a song from Aladdin and the pastor told us to stop because he's like, that's that music appeals to your carnal nature. You should only sing songs about Jesus. Aladdin. <laughs> and then and then people found a lot of porn in that pastor's house. So it's like, you know, I I think it's like I think that's sort of like why I found the movie saved so beautiful, even though I'm not religious anymore, is I found that movie to be very open to human frailty that in a way that I didn't feel like religion was when I was younger, it felt mm -hmm. so much just like you better not be doing something wrong or you, you better not be. And whoever was saying that was doing something wrong themselves. So it just, <laughs> that circular loop was really hard for me to deal with. Yeah. And we've talked about this before too, because like it's, it's hard thinking about like how adults were tasked with teaching us like morality, you know? And, and so our first understanding of faith was like the kind of faith you teach a little kid, which is that there is black and white. There's very wrong things. There's scary things, things you don't understand. You shouldn't try to get into, you know, you don't know right or wrong yet. You don't know what'll hurt you or not yet. So we're going to make it too explicitly clear, a little bit too scary to scare you away from even trying to figure it mm -hmm. out and then not give you the tools to like work your way out of it. If you do make a mistake, you know, or if you do like see something, maybe you thought you weren't supposed to and then you found out it was okay, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And so that then you get into your teens and it turns into more just like, I don't know, maybe fervor and being a disciple and then like evangelizing and then you get to an adulthood and you're like, oh, this morality my first version of Christianity isn't isn't very helpful in the real world. Mm -hmm. Well, that's there's so much so much of this stuff is about avoiding talking to your kids about the real world. There is a real sheltering aspect to this blanket approach to morality. So then suddenly you're an adult and you're like, wait, what is this? What is this? What's this thing? What's going on? Yeah, or like, oh, this isn't that bad, you know? And yeah, that's um, the weirdest one is like you get so hyped up for things and then they're actually disappointments. So you're like <laughs> your attempt to rebel is kind of went like fucked up because you're like, guess what, guys, I'm going to watch an R-rated movie. And you get to the yeah. end of it. You're like, it's like the same as a PG-13 movie, except they said fuck. Oh. You know, it's like, oh, OK. I was on the road to perdition. <laughs> yeah. While watching The Road to Perdition. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, and Ben David, happen. thanks for sharing so much of your story and yeah. your upbringing. It was very cool and interesting to hear your perspective. Yeah. I should have planned really something more because I feel like I definitely was all over the place. No, um, it was great. There was a lot there that uh, I think everyone resonates with, too. A lot of meat on that bone. Um, yeah. Is that a gross metaphor? <laughs> Excuse me. A lot me. of meat on that bone, on that peanut. <laughs> on that little peanut. <laughs> All right. There you go. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with more good Christian fun. 
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Good Christian Fun. It's time to dive into this demonic little topic. Come on, let's go. McGee and me, Ben David. What role, what function did McGee and me have in your upbringing, in your childhood? It had a it had a placebo effect um, <laughs> because <laughs> it it's the approximation of entertainment, you know, it, and it felt like I was getting the things that I wanted, and you sort of. It, it just it's normalized in a very weird way because like you grow up and like I really wanted to see who framed Roger Rabbit. They're like, oh, you do? Well, how about this thing where it's like live action mixed with a cartoon? And you're like, oh, that's just as cool because, you know, how would, <laughs> how would you know? It's like uh, it'd be like if, you know, every time you wanted to have Coke, your parents gave you like some generic brand version and you would have no frame of reference. But then once you watch something like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, you're like, there's there's a quality difference here. Mm-hmm, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I watch these things so much. Um, the two episodes the most are when you already did Skate Expectations and then uh, The Not So Great Escape were my favorites. And when I was watching it again last night, I, I was like, I don't even need, need to watch this. I know every word of this episode to to like a really horrifying level the the only real thing that played differently for me was the dad seems like he's there's deleted scenes of him like hitting the kids like he seems very kind of scary yeah yes there's a I was like, quality. I hate this dad. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Well, you know what? He is like the the like perfect patriarch that focus on the family like wants dads to be, you know. He's white. Dad should he be distant and unavailable. Law. Yeah. No fun. No interest in your life except to punish you. <laughs> I felt like I was getting punished when when Nick was. There's something so <laughs> effective about that guy's performance where he's like when he's like i'm not mad i'm just disappointed kind of thing but also well like we don't want i don't want to jump all over so someone let's try to have some more kind of a focused approach here because i'm like well the last scene and then in the middle and then this shot i don't want to be welcome to gcf this is Uh, the show the lack of focus is is the brand we do things there's a sort of poetry (laughs) this amorphous bullshit that we do um it's the not so great escape i believe came out on video in 1989 uh so this show is as old as i am at this point and it's about young nick he wants to see a movie a movie called night of the blood freaks part four with his little friend his parents say no 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 you can't see that 
then he sneaks out, sees it anyway, is traumatized by the experience, comes home, says, you know what, mommy and daddy, you're right. I shouldn't have seen it. I love you forever. You have my fealty until the end. Oh, captain, my captain stands on his desk. And uh, and then roll credits. Mom and dad were right all along. They were just trying to protect them. So that's kind of the framework of it. Now the Blood Freaks, part four, um, which I believe is based on, and there was just a Vanity Fair uh, piece that, that just dropped about this. It's about the Hammer um, sort of family dynasty uh, and just kind of their oh, no. whole history, their ancestry, <laughs> how Army got into the stuff that he was into. Uh, uh, I was going to ask you guys, like, did you genuinely feel curious about like seeing the night of the blood freaks. Well, that's the reason why I picked it <laughs> yeah. is um, I'm a big horror guy and I made like a horror show for kids. And this was probably my origin story for being interested in horror was watching this because no. <laughs> two things were happening at once. I felt like they're right. I shouldn't, I'm not old enough to watch these things, but that's a really good tagline. Like when they're like, first there was dawn of the blood freaks, then day of the blood freaks. But now as the shadows begin to fall, it's night of the blood freaks. Like that to me, I was like, that sounds cool. And then, but also they also sell the aspect of that, the kid's version of water cooler, which is people talking to each other about what they saw. And it was like one of the first things where I saw that kind of articulated the concept of, oh yeah, Monday at school, everyone's going to want to talk about the new movie. And if you didn't see it, you're a loser. So like I I internalized a lot of things they did not intend for me to because they made it (laughs) seem so exciting. So at the end, when they don't show it, I'm like, well, maybe it wasn't that bad. Like, you know, you're like, you're kind of curious. But the thing as adult that's so messed up about it is like the moral of the story at the end, which that song I also have memorized, is that... um, these images are never going to leave Nick's brain and he's going to deal with the repercussions of this for the rest of his life. It's terrifying. It's so weird. They're like, they don't punish him because they're like, you already punished yourself. (laughs) Wait, can I play that scene? I want to play that clip real quick. Okay. This is when Nick comes home after he, he saw the images, he leaves the theater early and then he comes home. When your mother and I told you, you couldn't go. It was for a purpose. We were trying to protect you. Your mind is the most important thing you have. That's why the Lord is very clear when he says we have to be careful what we put in it. Now, whether you enjoy the movie or not is beside the point. Just by going to see it, you've put something into your mind to... to dirty it, to pollute it. It's bound to affect your life. It's garbage in, garbage out, Nicholas. You've got scenes in your mind that you can never erase. You've got pictures that may be with you for the rest of your life. I'm sorry. I'm sorry too, son. I want you to go to your room and give this some thought. I'll be up in a little while to talk about your punishment. All right. You're so right. They never ta- they never show what his punishment is, but it's clearly going to be a spanking. Well, they do they do show that it's like he has to do a bunch of chores the oh, next okay. day, and then I I, was, I got excited giving him shit. Hey, come on. Um, I don't know about you guys too, but when I watched that, 
Well, when I I learned the very same thing, you know, which is like whatever images you see will be indelible in your brain for the rest of your life and they'll always mm-hmm. haunt you and scare you. If and you see a, a guy was... shooting a guy, you will shoot a guy. <laughs> yeah. And as a kid that was like, you know, just like scared of stuff in general and also scared of horror movies, the thing that this really sent home for me was that seeing sex scenes in movies were just as bad. And I feel like they are <sighs> setting up little Nick for sex scenes and pornography because I feel like that was the bigger issue that they were pointing to because ultimately most Christians don't care about violence like at all. They care about sex (laughs) and like anti-Christian propaganda in their Mm -hmm. mind. Mm -hmm. And so I remember thinking like, oh, if I saw a sex scene, like that's going to be in my mind forever and I'm going to be turned on forever and I will be sinning and failing God, (laughs) like basically involuntarily for the rest of my life. So I was so scared of seeing those things like for that reason. I mean, it didn't stop me, but it still freaked me out a lot. It's do we agree? I, uh, these are very I these there must be universe universality to these feelings because it, it all definitely lines up. Like I want to make a sequel series of this, which is just Nick in therapy and like unable to have good relationships and like carrying guilt with them everywhere. Oh. And the therapist being like, what the fuck? You had to like escape <laughs> your house to watch a horror movie and your dad yeah. said your brain was dirty forever. Polluted. <laughs> like- yes. Yeah. But the therapist yeah. is McGinn. He's like, come on. It's not so bad, man. <laughs> no, but, but you're right, Caroline, and that it is like, it's way more the fix that we could watch everything growing up if it was a the man, boys are literally playing pretend shooting yes they have know, little at the guns it's like, great. they don't care and yeah. like and of course there is such a like do, do y'all remember when we were kids they would show saving private ryan on abc and the whole conceit of it is don't worry we're not editing it for tv so you can see everyone's guts and limbs hanging out on Ugh. on freaking normandy beach and our parents or grandparents were like yeah you should see that it's every good. child it's good this. to see that yes but yeah. if it's like <laughs> a nip or a little a little dong a little dang of the dong that's gonna that'll set you back that's quite it. quite a bit well, i feel like they couldn't cover that topic in McGee so they made it like a scary thing too you know <laughs> rather than like talking about sex scenes in movies. was there a true love waits episode am I imagining that of McGee and me I don't think so because well, no, like there's McGee and me the college years where suddenly he's 40 and like <laughs> hey. everyone is like aged up I don't know what the, maybe it's the new adventures of McGee and me I can't remember there was like Even another they special that. they did in 1995 after this like uh. initial round of the VHS stuff because they had this run and there was like five episodes of him as a teenager mm-hmm. and then there was something else um but yeah that yeah i i sort of in my head have just decided every single thing i absorbed in like middle school or high school had some sort of true love waits episode or song or something like it, yes. it all kind of conflates into the same all thing back into that. yeah um, you're, you're probably not wrong i mean there's a scene to- there's a scene in the beginning of this where uh i think the structure is like nick always reads something from the bible and then you see McGee acting it out. There's one where he goes to a casino, although it does look like he's going into a video store and then going to where they keep the pornography in the video store, which used to be behind a red curtain. It oh looks like that's what I McGee is doing. That. And then he gets like you yeah. know, thrown off the casino of Babel or whatever it's called. But That's the opening of this episode. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I love how they also show like, all the trash of the world around him when he gets shot out of the Tower of Babel, which and is like VHS arcade. And like <laughs> yeah, it's VHS, old, what you're watching? It's like a boombox. By- yes, <laughs> yeah. watching this right now. I mean, um, and and I think I think also to interrogate some of the morality of this, we do need to just talk about the character 
of McGee. McGee is not a force for good in this at all. He just goes along. What is McGee going to do with a human dollar bill? Yes. Mm. So Nick does say, I'll give you a dollar if you sink into this movie with me. I mean, maybe he's buying little pint size alcohol for for himself, (laughs) like a little (laughs) bottle to get drunk. But he he's spineless. There's no moral compass in McGee. He's not like, he's I don't know, Nick. What's that? Yeah. He's greedy. Yeah, he's definitely not a conscience. No. Like he's, he's like if, Ge- if Geppetto, no, if, um, it, what is the? Jiminy Cricket. If Jiminy Cricket had uh, head trauma. Like, because it's sure. like he, he loses what he's trying to do. It, he seems, he like always lectures him after he fails, but then sets him up to fail. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, he's a very contradictory character. And I'm not entirely sure what the methodology is behind him. I just think he's supposed to be comic relief. But as an adult, when none of it feels comic, it's hard to sort of, you know, figure that out. Yeah. McGee is the only one that does what he wants to do. McGee is pure id. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, actually, Caroline, you connect with that part of the character. I do. McGee, Rizzo, you know, all of those sort of. He's clipping his freaking toenails at one point he yeah. does roger ebert cosplay because christian children <laughs> love cisco he has like and a ebert little pop parodies. belly on it yes. <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's so funny. and they full-on like draw him shooting people with a gun and the new like you know dirty whatever the sam yeah, spade it's, it's, it's sam spade and then i don't remember what the name of the new one is but it's funny i think so i made this short in 2010 called Casa Living and in it Brandon Routh and Brett Harrison are like fighting monsters but you don't see the monsters Mm -hmm. and I swear to God when I was watching this last night I think I internalized the idea from that second animated thing where you never see who or what he's shooting at and it's always just seeing him reacting and fighting a bunch of noises (laughs) and I remember just as a kid being kind of enamored with the idea of like I don't even know who he's fighting. Like he's just sitting here getting right. like a bigger gun and a bigger gun and it's <laughs> and it still somehow works. Well, this it's one of the only it's one of the only things that I find genuinely interesting in this episode. <laughs> well, this is going to be a fun game for listeners. You can rent Happily and then kind of Pink Floyd Dark Side of the Moon Wizard of Oz style, figure out how each scene in Happily is connected to another episode of McGee and Me that already exists <laughs> and where the kind of influence might have been like consider like, the source. Yeah. Again, like Mr. Baldwin warned us, you got to consider the source with that and the stuff. source is a little blonde freak <laughs> a little blonde three freak who threatens to murder a dog by bombing him at one point <laughs> kevin as a father of doggers that, you now find that offensive as a father of doggers that truly <laughs> it hit me different than it if hurts. i hadn't owned a, a little furry friend you you know it's wrong now yeah now um, now i understand <laughs> Okay, another thing I was thinking about with, you know, the content warning that people were sending about Night of the Blood Freaks Uh was I'm not really a horror person. I'm trying now, but I, you know, for a long time, very much agreed with the kind of person who would write this episode, Mm -hmm. which is that, like, horror is so obviously nonsense. There is nothing good. There is nothing you will learn from it. And it will also fuck up your entire moral compass and you'll think it's okay to saw people. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. But then later on, you just learn that there are plenty of people for whom horror just like scratches an itch and is a great thing and is like delightful. And yeah. I point to Ariana Grande, famous horror fan. 
um, who What's is successful, <laughs> well-adjusted, and rich, you know? So, like, it can all work sure. out. I guess I'm just saying, like, horror movies can be this boogeyman, you know, wink, uh, thing for people when they don't love it, you know, and yes. don't, like, get the same kind of joy out of it that a lot of people do. Yeah, people and it's like, like Ben David. Totally, and it's like a roller coaster where it's like you think, like, you would never shame someone for not wanting to get on a roller coaster, but for some people, a roller coaster is just a fun little thrill. And yeah. the way that horror movies probably do not affect people in certain ways that people might assume. Yes. I've known some people as an adult who were not horror fans and grew to become one because they realized there was a misunderstanding about it. Is that because like to me, most of my favorite horror movies are just fun. Like I don't not much scares me as an adult. And there's just, you know, it, it is the most fun genre because there's less rules to it. It's less narrative based. It's less logic based. It can be dreamlike. There's mm-hmm. just so much you can do with it. It's not going to be for everybody, but in my experience, there's a lot of people who like have kind of inflated the weight of it in their mind and they think, oh no, like this movie is going to be so scary or whatever. And then you watch a couple and you're like, oh, these are just fun, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but then there's also people who, get scared of everything and probably should not watch any. Yeah. So. Yeah. And like a lot of little kids obviously shouldn't see stuff before they're ready, you know, and can give them nightmares or whatever. Do you have That's any of those fine. images yourself, Caroline, where it's like, Ooh, I saw that. Maybe I shouldn't. Oh, it's still in my head. Yes. Really? Oh my God. I saw some weird like tooth fairy horror movie when I was with the rock. <laughs> probably a little older <laughs> than you think. <laughs> no. Uh, oh God. I don't even remember. I, I feel like it had waterfall in the title. Okay, anyway, Tooth Fairy Waterfall. Everyone Google so that. So horrifying. And it's just some story of like, oh, the Tooth Fairy was this lady in our town who was burned to death uh-huh. for being a witch. And now she hovers over your bed every time you put a tooth under it or something. Mm. And she looks so scary. And that that really fucked me up for like a while. That sounds scary. <laughs> I, was, I was probably like 13 when I saw it too, which is, you know, older than most kids. No, but, but that, that makes sense But it, to me. me it had affirmed like, oh, this is why I don't see these movies. You know, it's like, this is bad for my brain. Well, I, I don't gravitate towards the horror genre either, like natively. I, I'll see the A24 stuff and like some of the more classic stuff. But the thing that I remember burnt into my brain from when I was a kid, I think I was 11 years old. It was not from a horror movie. It was from this movie called The Messenger. It's a Luc Besson movie starring Milia Jovovich as Joan of Arc. And this was like a weird apocalypse now, deep impact thing where... Or not Apocalypse Now, um, Armageddon, Deep Impact thing, where it was like there was the Messenger, then there was a Lily Sobieski Joan of Arc movie at the same time. But there's a scene in the Messenger where she's having these like nightmarish dreams about Jesus, and there's mm-hmm. one point where Jesus like grasps her face and like starts pleading with her, and then blood starts running down his face while he's crying. Oh my god! And that one's burned into my brain. I will say, yeah. it, ironically, the monster that's haunting me is it's Luke Besson's Jesus Christ <laughs> your from The Messenger. So your savior is your monster. That one got in wow. there. I don't know if you have anything like that yourself then, David, <laughs> where it's like, oh, that stayed with me, or I saw that when I was a kid. Well, that made it's an impression. funny because the stuff... Cause I wasn't allowed to watch horror as a kid. So, but I would see like horror that was designed for kids, mm-hmm. but it's weird. Some of the stuff that traumatized me was not scenes in horror movies. Like the thing, like I saw, um, this movie called fresh, uh, and it's like Sam Jackson. It's about these kids, um, who are like gang adjacent. And, um, there's a scene in it where like this maybe 
12 year old kid gets shot and killed. And it, I watched it late at night at my grandparents' house on cable and I could not sleep. Mm. It was just so, the things that scared me as kids, as a kid were things that were nihilistic kind of like like watching something yeah yeah like like a movie that could be like flippant with death you know or like something could be like so shocking but the things though that really scared me I saw when I was like really young as I'd walk downstairs because I couldn't sleep and my parents were watching gremlins or ghostbusters and like movies that are not even designed to be that scary but the statue dog thing and ghostbusters I was scared of for years Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was like it's that's I'm very sensitive to like uh how young kids should be when they watch scary stuff. It was like, that was like a big trick with Are You Afraid of the Dark? Is just like, you want to make something that a 10 year old could watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but also scary enough that like a 14 year old wouldn't think it was, um, Lame you know, or chicken shit or what, whatever 14 year old say. That I'm is sure hard they all to say span chicken shit. Both a 10 year old and a 14 year old. Well, know? <laughs> and also trying to make their parents happy too. Like that's yeah. sort of the, the inner, that was like the arithmetic in my brain. And that's mm-hmm. how little I know about math because that's probably wrong. <laughs> but for me, it was just like, you want to make something for people who grew up with the show and their 10 year old kid and like their 14 year old kid, because yeah. the 16 year old kid is just going to be like, this is stupid. Like we did a, um, a market research screening with these kids and like a 12 year old kid. They're like, do you like horror? And he goes, yeah. They're like, what's your favorite? And he's like, get out. And I'm like, oh, well, you're Oh geez. Watch get out. As <laughs> yeah. well. You'll be you're fine. Not- <laughs> <laughs> I'm like who, who let, Oh, man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know. I saw a scary movie at a theater one time, and, and someone had, like, their five-year-old with them. And I was like, well, I'm watching something happen in two ways right now. <laughs> like, you know, I, I saw a horror movie in the theater, too. It was called Fahrenheit 9-11. Uh, I saw a horror movie that was so deceitful, and it was called An Inconvenient Truth. I saw a horror movie <laughs> that's actually 24 hours a day, and it's actually everything that happens on CNN. It's <laughs> a little horror um, movie called that. Wait, speaking of kids' reactions, I was dying at how the kids react to actually watching Night of the Blood Freaks because mm-hmm. I thought they were going to be like really scared, you know, and like they're just like horrified, Ooh. and instead they just look like grossed out and disappointed in themselves, <laughs> which I thought so much funnier. They were just like. Oh, and he like eventually t- rips Damn. off his 3D glasses too, and is like, "Who am I?" And then he has that long walk like by himself <laughs> down the street. Yeah, okay. That's, about his that's the manipulation tactic. Is they're telling you that if you watch these movies at your friend's house, you're going to regret it. You'll so, so. self censor so well, yeah, that you will feel the shame. And that's when this song <laughs> plays yes. right here. And this was a this was a, a like a. Uh, sort of structural thing they would do on McGee and Me is the composer James Koval would write a song based on the themes of the episode. Uh, this one seems to have a 50 second long synth intro. Let me get to the they words. All, okay, here we go. They all said you'd be cool. Is this all that you thought it would be? Because now you see. <laughs> okay, so that's James Colville being like, you're a fool for seeing this movie. I looked up James <laughs> Colville's other credits. He's he's a composer of a certain note. He works. His other credits include Dancing Ninja, Santa with Muscles, and a movie called Southern Fried Zombies. So wow. he's no stranger to the genre. He's not consistent. He did Santa with Muscles? He did, evidently, <laughs> yes. 
Look, what you see is what you get. So you better make sure it's heaven sent. Anything you do will come back to you. It's a very threatening song. Yeah. Um, It's like, it's deceptive and sounding like a pop thing, but it really, it's, it's a threatening song. Yeah. No, I felt threatened while listening to it. Yeah. Uh, and frustrating, you know, it, and then sometimes, some ways it is true, which makes it effective, you know, because we've just explained the song's purpose, which is that we do have things traumatically burned into yeah, our brains Jesus for like years. Me. Yes. Yes. But, but it, it's it'd be, untrue in that there's a lot that doesn't stick around. It'd be like, hard to write something fine. where it's like, use your discernment in every situation. <laughs> yeah. Best Decide judgment. It's right for you. Uh, and just, just to wrap it up, I will say the phrase that they use, I'm sure all of us heard in some measure or another growing up, garbage in, garbage out. There is no, like the Lord says it's really important. Garbage in, garbage out. There's no garbage in, garbage out verse in the Bible. It does talk about the renewal of your mind and like thinking on good things and, and whatnot, but it there's nothing in the Bible implying if you put garbage into your system, you will output garbage also. So mm-hmm. that is a focus on the family era sort of uh, Yeah, it's sort of a twist of like, you know, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, think on these things, that yeah. kind of thing. So but. let's rate this puppy, guys. This puppy, as, listen, as a father of doggers, um, <laughs> the way this works, Ben David, we're going to give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Thumbs up is a holy roast. That's when we send it to heaven and we say... A holy toast. Yeah. Oh, did I say roast? You said, to, yeah. Oh, this is like Kirk Franklin, Toast is Kirk to heaven, Cameron. roast is to... Toast is heaven, roast below. is hell. <laughs> roast, that's when we send it to hell and we say... No, 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 Or if we don't want to send it to either, we can send it to purgatory, which we call... The space between... Caroline, we'll start with you. I'm going to give it a toast. I enjoyed myself. Um, toast I think to Night McGee. of the Blood Franks is wrong, and I hope none of you saw it. <laughs> All right, Ben David, what say you? Huge thumbs up. Huge thumbs up. Ben David gives it a toast. I'm giving it a toast too. Guess what, McGee? Yes. Somehow, against all odds, <laughs> you're going to heaven. Only three out of three for McGee. <laughs> I can't help it. I love him. Yeah, I. we need to interrogate that sometime, like on a second service or something. But you can uh. give it a roast or toast yourself. Go to at Christian Fun Pod, get out there, and... Pokemon, go to the polls. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> We did it. We did it, Joe. Thank you, Kamala. Kamala. Ah, remember we used to call her Kamala? Man, we were so ignorant. Now we're we're so smart. All right. Listen, Ben David, you know how this works. You've been in a church before in a youth group. We're dimming the lights and we're lighting the candles in here. We're taking it to a more worshipful space. We're not here to promote ourselves or to plug our projects, like say a movie we directed starring Joel McHale and Carrie B. Shea. Uh, we're here to lift them up to the Lord and we'll start as per usual with Caroline you can kneel at the altar and lift me up at Caroline's farts if you feel like you need to rededicate yourself to my Twitter Instagram or TikTok Um, and I'm going to lift up something that's also very God honoring and that is a show called Letter Kenny on Hulu which is about uh, Canadian cliques that war with each other and it's a lot of wordplay Uh, it's very pleasant I've just been plowing through it uh, it's great. Plowing through Letter Kenny, baby. Plowing through Letter Kenny. All right. Nice wreck. All right. Thank you, Caroline. We turn it to Ben David. Um, I, uh, you can 
I, I can't. I don't know how to really do this joke well, so I'm just going to say you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram. I'll translate. You can lift him up on Twitter and Instagram. Right yeah, you, you can <laughs> lift me up on social media, on all the Twitters. Um, and you can also lift up the very R-rated motion picture event of 2021, Happily. Happily. Terrific movie. Rent Watched it or purchase this afternoon. on any sort of digital thing. It's a Christian movie, too, as we've explained. It stars a famous Christian, Joel McHale. Yeah, it's all it. about the New Testament. That's right. <laughs> so, see, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of ambiguity in the movie because people just didn't read the Bible. Like, so if you don't understand the ending, it's because you just didn't read the Bible enough. Exactly. Yeah, no, and you. I love that's the message of the movie too. What's the last great thing you watched or that you saw yourself that wasn't your own movie? Uh, I watched Cradle to the Grave last night, the Ooh. DMX Jet Li movie, uh-huh. uh, and I got to tell you, when it came out, didn't really think that much of it. Right now. It absolutely rules. Wow. Hey, how about that? I know. It's not, you know, I've gone into a rhythm of watching like movies or TV shows of people who just recently passed. It's a nice, nice way to honor that. I've been meaning to watch Play DMX Missy is, for me. Oh, yeah, me too. But DMX is great and Cradle the Grave, and it's got everything you could want from plutonium diamonds to ATV chases across rooftops of downtown LA or Jet Li fighting 40 MMA fighters. It's uh, high quality Christian entertainment. High quality Christian (laughs) cradle to the grave. Thank you. Thank you, Ben David. Thank you for finally making Christian entertainment that I can feel good watching. Yeah. Well, Ben David's whole thing, his, his, I think his Twitter bios make Christian entertainment great again. So it's kind of (laughs) his stated mission and purpose. Yeah, but how do you pronounce that? It's M making Christian entertainment. So it's M C E G A, like McKega. McKega. McGee. McGee. We have to figure out a way to make it McGee. Guys, so everybody, like, McGee. Make <laughs> Christians gracious. Make Christian great entertainment. Entertainment. For in parentheses, eternally. everyone or eternally make great. Eternal. <laughs> make Christian great entertainment yeah. eternally. Woo! Thank you, Ben make, David. No, make Christians gorge entertainment. Earnestly. Ethically? Ooh, Ethically. make Christians gorge. <laughs> Entertainment earnestly. I love that. Gorge. Thank you. You can oh, lift man. me up everywhere. Uh, Kevin T. Porter. I will lift up a movie called Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. What a harrowing watch. You got to be in the right kind of headspace for it. I personally was in the throes of my second dose of vaccine side effects while watching it. Oh, Made it a sort of trippy experience, but very good, very important watch. You can lift us up at Christian Fun Pod everywhere. You can go to patreon.com slash goodchristianfun for more good Christian fun. You can leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. Every review you leave, we donate a dollar to charity. This month's charity is the Red Canary Song, a grassroots collective of Asian and migrant sex workers organizing transnationally. Ben David, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Friend, what a blast. What a nice time. And you know what? This is a youth group in which you're welcome anytime, and you are very cool here. Whoa. You actually run it. Yeah, you're actually the leader. (laughs) I'm growing a beard. Yeah, we're both (laughs) growing And there's nothing left to say except for in all of Pod's people said, amen. And let's get back to that kick-ass McGee and Me song. It's going to stay right there in your heart, which is a song about horror movies and cholesterol. (laughs) Bye-bye. Okay, we'll see you next week. Goodbye.
That was a HeadGum Podcast.